Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Equipped to Be. I'm Connie Albers. Now, today I have brought a an amazing guest, uh, Dr. I. I mean, she's got a like a full name, but she likes to, for this time, we're going to be calling her Dr. I. Now, why does that matter? I met I at Social Media Marketing World. I was working for them. I was there. We struck up a friendship that has, you know, grown and there's like a mutual respect. And I have watched her grow from the first time that I've met her into this thought leader that she has become in online education. I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about her story, like more in depth as we go through. But Dr. I is, she's not only a social media guru, I mean, expert, but she was a college professor for 10 years. She's the founder of Classroom Without Walls, and the author of Skip the Degree, which we're going to talk about all of that. So I'm guessing we're going to have two episodes out of this, because when we get on and she comes on this show, I think we have a lot to share, and you need to stick around, because I think you're really going to enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hey, Dr. I, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Connie, and uh, I'm really, really excited and honored. You know what I love about you? You are so full of energy. If anybody ever goes to your YouTube videos or they go to your website, you are just a fireball. You're so enthusiastic and excited about what you're doing. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, totally. Lots of energy and uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I was watching a video you did. And what I loved about it is you've connected, like the skills that you have, and I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, but I just kept coming across this whole, you have brought together a skill set, which is, you know, social media. We both have, I've been involved in social media for a very long time, since 2009, 2010, and you have been a professor of public relations and digital marketing and all of that. Again, you're going to do better than I am. But you know what's interesting is you've kind of taken a love for different parts of what you do, and you have fused it with a merging market, and that is education. So that's really what I'd love to start off talking about. So please tell us and tell my listeners more about you, what you're doing, and um Anything you want to tell us about yourself? I'm a, a first generation immigrant and I grew up in China and I came to the United States in my early 20s. And the reason was actually because of uh, education. I really, I truly hated uh, Chinese education because it was mainly based on public humiliation 
and the loss of exams and the pressure to compete. Like, so I didn't really like that. And that inspired me to do something in education later. But anyway, so I left China, came to the U.S. in my early 20s with only $200, didn't know anything. And the funny part is the only movie I watch about American culture is American Pie. Don't laugh at me. So with that level of understanding, and I came to Syracuse where I got my master's degree. And then later I went to University of Maryland where I got my PhD and starting my teaching career. So I taught in the classroom for 15 plus years and I was teaching public relations and later social media became really popular, started to teach like personal branding, digital media, all those courses. And but quickly I discovered like me and many of my friends, we don't really have any professional background to back up what we were teaching in the classroom. And at the time, I realized that if I wanted my students to become digitally savvy, to become PR practitioners, to professionals, I myself, I had to become a practitioner first and a teacher second. So that's kind of the really starting point of my journey later to become an entrepreneur because I really pushed myself to learn, to push myself outside the comfort zone other than teaching, doing research, and serving on different committees. I really started to practice what I was teaching finally and in real life. And I started to be really active on, you know, started attending social media examiner, listening to the podcast, their events, being really active on Twitter, started to build my personal brand. And that's also what inspired me to launch my live streaming show in the year of 2017, uh, 17, launched my very first live streaming show. And to make a long story short, the more I practice this, of course, I became a much, much, much better teacher. By the same time, I started to realize the power of social media to build this global classroom. And that was really fascinating to me. And about the year of 2019-ish or 18, I started to actually generate some income from what I was doing online, that was really shocking to me. I was like, wow. People can get paid your... for this. <laughs> exactly. Like speaking gigs, like coaching and consulting. And that was really interesting. Even though at the time I was uh, actually, our entire family was in South Korea and I was doing all those things online and getting paid. So that was another big aha moment. And then later we can talk about this, Connie and I. Like I also, at the same time, as I, as I developed myself professionally, I started to see more and more problems in the traditional traditional education model. And I started to really realize and unfortunately came to the conclusion 70% of what I do as a college professor was mainly to perpetuate the system as opposed to serving my students. So that really inspired me to have some radical changes and to introduce some much needed changes to the current education model. So I resigned and from my associate professor position and started building my own school. So mm -hmm. that's kind of my story and my journey. You know, I remember reading your bio. We did a, we did a, for folks, for those of you that um, are wondering, 
I I think I've mentioned this, and I even posted it on my own social cha- uh, channels, and I posted it on hers as well. But she had me on her show, uh, and you can find it. She's got you've got it on your YouTube, and you've got it all over the place. But you know, as I was listening, and we were having our conversation during our other interview, something reminded me as I read your your story a little bit that as you were in the classroom, you were surprised when you were teaching something and there was a student who didn't know Pinterest. And that just kind of like befuddled you. It was like, how can you not know Pinterest? Um, You know, it's funny because we know kids are using social media, high school kids, elementary kids, college kids, but it, it caught you by surprise, which led to that big aha moment for you that's really changed the trajectory of, of your life. You know, you've brought that inner love, your passion, your gifts, and you just kind of like brought it all together, and you've been able to earn a living from it. So when, when that happened to you, and you kind of changed the trajectory there, what, what was it that made you decide, I'm going to start a global school called Classroom <laughs> Without Walls? I mean, that's a pretty big dream and ambition, don't you think? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's such a good question, Connie. Thank you for asking. I actually, to be honest with you, I never thought about, you know, one day that I would be resigning from my comfortable position and starting my own school. I never actually thought about it. By the time when I got that comment from the student and he didn't even know Pinterest, he didn't even know Twitter, all those platforms. And um, my goal at the time was to be a better teacher. And I really try to ask myself and to figure this out, like, what else can I do to make myself a better teacher? I mean, students, they were pretty honest with me and they wrote in their uh, teaching evaluation saying that, oh, Dr. is a great teacher. She really cared about us, but way too many theories, too many theories. I mean, I graduated from Syracuse in Maryland. I feel like the only thing I learned was like theories. I had this a body of knowledge under me, but I don't have any practical experience. So that was definitely a, a, a big aha moment, a wake-up call as a college professor, realizing that, wow, you know, I, I, I cannot just teach theories. I really have to uh, to learn outside the classroom myself and practice what I was teaching in order to really help my students. But it also hurts, right, when students were telling you that, wow, this is irrelevant, like too many theories. So it definitely hurt a lot. And I, I, I cried a lot as a teacher. I was like, what, what can I do? Because professional experience is not something that is valued uh, by higher education. And people, most people value academic research, especially if you go to a research university. They don't really care about how little or how much professional experience that you have. And that is not what I need to be tenured, to be promoted. So pretty much if I want to serve my students, I had to do something that is not really valued by my school. It it is a conflicting feeling, right? Do I want to be promoted or do I want to serve my students? And uh, yeah, I, I think at the time I already started to become cynical and uh, about the education model. And also, you also brought up another great point because so many, us, so many of us will assume our students, uh, Gen Z, millennials, the young people, they grew up with social media and technology. Therefore, they know everything about social media and technology. 
And that is definitely not true. Most students know how to consume. They know how to socialize. But very few of them actually know how to leverage social media to share their voice, to make a difference, to start a social movement, to create a community. That is definitely a learned skill, which I didn't realize before. I just assumed they all know everything about social media. But again, because I didn't really practice this, so I didn't have this level of understanding that students didn't really understand this. So everything kind of came together. Yeah. I love it. You know, it's funny. When social media was really coming on the scene, I was in the midst of homeschooling. You know that I homeschooled my kids. And I saw this and I started getting involved because I would come in the kitchen and my son would be doing some coursework uh, online, like typing papers. He was doing something online. And I would notice every time I came in the kitchen, the computer would shift screens. And there was always a bunch of tabs open. And I, at first I thought, oh, no big deal. You know, you're just, you've got to click around, right? We all have to have like 15 tabs open so that we can keep our minds where we're supposed to, you know, gather all our information. I didn't think much about it. And after several months, all, I started to just kind of hang more in the kitchen so I could see. And then I asked him and I found out, you know, he was on a platform and, okay, so this is true. I mean, he had a Facebook account. Well, back when Facebook started, guess what? It was for kids. I mean, parents couldn't get an account. Uh, and part of my story is like, well, as a, as a mama, as a homeschool mom, you don't tell me I can't have an account. I figured out a way and I got an account. My goal was to stay one step ahead. You know, if my children were going to be stepping into this medium, I clearly wanted to know what it was about. But my background in PR and marketing and communications intrigued me. I saw this as a real potential, a game changer. Now, that was oh, that was a long time ago. And I, I mean, now, obviously, I can't keep up with them, to be honest with you. There's something new popping up all the time. But what I noticed is they pick it up quickly. And they're going to use it. They'll either sneak it, right? They'll their parents don't think they have it because they've hidden them behind some apps on their phone, which, you know, that's a whole nother topic of conversation. But you and I share the same, I mean, we have the same focus. And that is children and all the research bears this. Kids want to be seen and heard, right? They they want to know they have a voice. And and if we, as like you, as an educator, and you're a mom, as a mom and as an educator, we want to show kids how to create that that positive footprint because we all know a, a footprint, you know, the power of social media and not using it in a good way can really get you in trouble. It can cost you getting accepted into college. It can it can cost you a job. We know everybody that, you know, is considering application for something, they're going to go check out all your social media platforms. And early on, I was probably one of the few parents who didn't shun social media. Now, I was leery. My kids certainly had to, I had to have access, all that kind of stuff. And the stuff probably you might do when your son gets a tad older, you know, just to make sure, because there are some bad actors on there. However, if we teach them to utilize it as a tool and a resource because technology is neutral, you know, and it's not inherently evil. Technology is neutral. 
if we teach them how to use it, if we understand, if they grasp the power that is beneath their fingertips and how they can leverage that in a, in a market that is not saturated. I mean, there's people constantly looking for folks that know how to build community, how to have that, like you say, that that grassroots, and I think you mentioned that in your bio, like it's like a grassroots type of focus. That's what this generation, the younger generation can be about. And that's what I believe uh, is the power of, of what you're doing and how, you know, this whole classroom without walls is really the epitome of homeschooling, right? Because you're learning from everybody all around the world from different backgrounds and different uh, nationalities and the whole gamut. So that makes me think when you were teaching these this, these classes and you really didn't know it and you immersed yourself and you've kind of figured it out, there was something that you said that the educational system was broken, that it really exists to perpetuate itself. <laughs> Can you expand on that? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, like, I, I, I love everything I mentioned, Connie. It's like music to my ears. Uh, like, for example, right, we, you are a practitioner. Now, I'm also a practitioner. We know that to learn, uh, like, to learn more about social media, probably you have to learn from someone who is actually practicing in the field, right? And uh, when I was a teacher, it's just not me. It's not just me, but many other uh, my friends who are teachers. And we all tried to invite industry professionals to come to teach a class, to to give us a talk or something. And I tried so many times to invite very seasoned industry professionals to come to teach a class. Every single time they got rejected simply because they do not have a piece of paper. And to me, that is wrong. That is really the broken education model. And I, I'm not sure about all the fields, but at least in business, in marketing, in social media, we all know how fast everything's changing I just don't understand how you can teach someone something without practicing this on a daily basis, given how fast everything's changing. So I feel like unless we fix that, allow more practitioners who do not have that piece of paper to enter the classroom, we're going to continue to widen the gap between what students are learning in the classroom and what is actually happen happening in real life. And I interviewed so many people on my shows and who didn't go to college, who either or some of them who went to college, they all shared how important it is to learn from practitioners on a daily basis. And very few people I interviewed on my education show actually like told me that everything they learned from their school prepared them to be where they are today. I actually, I never heard anyone ever told me that. Almost all of them shared with me that if they did go to school, they had to unlearn what they have learned from school and relearn from industry professionals. And uh, it just doesn't make sense when you think about the education, right? So education is supposed to prepare the next generation for work, for life, self-discovery. But if the school is not doing that, like, why do I, exactly, right? Like, on top of how much money that we're spending. And uh, I also want to add, I love how you mentioned social media, because I recently, I think now recently, last year, I interviewed 
uh, the woman, her name is Esther Wojcicki, and she's the mom, and she's like a super mom. She's the mom of the CEO of YouTube, the CEO of 23andMe, and the doctor. So I watched quite a few of her videos, and she added an additional M to the traditional STEM. So the additional M that she added refers to media. So media is not going to go away. And I love what you mentioned, Connie, right? We need to educate our kids to empower them to use this really incredible tool to make a difference. If we don't educate our kids, social media is going to use them. So I don't want social media to use them. I want them to use social media to serve a bigger purpose in their life. Therefore, I choose to educate my students, to educate my own kids regarding the good, the bad, and the ugly about social media. It is such a game changer. And not to mention that I so many times that my students have shared with me, regardless of their age, now I have students from Saudi Arabia, from different countries, they all shared with me that their confidence their public speaking skills have improved so much as a result of putting their work, putting their passion, putting themselves out there in the public space. And to it has become a vehicle, especially launching a podcast, has become a vehicle for them to develop essential life skills, to be prepared for life. And I love that. But you don't hear this side of social media a lot from the, the mainstream media, from schools, from from parents, there's so much uneducated fear. Oh, you're absolutely. It seems to be either an all or nothing, either let's just say parents are like, okay, sure, fine, you can have it with no holds bar. You know, just 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 do it. And they're trusting their children to not get into trouble, meaning it's not like their children would go get in trouble, but they can be preyed upon rather easily. Uh, or it's like, no, absolutely not. It's it's bad. It's wrong. It's going to ruin you. And I think you and I probably fall somewhere in the middle where it's, no, it's not. It, it can be bad, but it's not inherently bad. And and they they might not intentionally get in trouble. So they do need some monitoring until they can get their footing. But if we, and, and that's what you're doing, and that's what I love is, if we paint a picture of how to use something, like you give them a bicycle and you say, you know, here's a bike, or you give them a car. And I know your son's not old enough to drive, but so you give your son a bike and I give my kid a car and they have no training. They're going to have some trouble. You know, they're going to have some accidents. Some could possibly be a lot worse than others. And I argue, but if we give them and then we equip them like you're talking about and like what you're doing with Classroom Without Walls, then they have the confidence. And when it's like, kind of like when you handle a counterfeit, when you handle counterfeit money, how do, how do you know it's counterfeit? Well, you study the real thing all the time. And when a counterfeit comes along, you can spot it, right? So if they're dealing and, they're, and you're helping them to develop healthy boundaries and putting the proper limits, and then you teach them what to be leery of, when they spot something that isn't right. They don't go there. They don't click on it. Is that 100% no? But have you found that in general that to be the case? 
Oh yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I I just can't agree more with you. Yeah, and you can educate them regarding you know like everything you share online stays online. In most cases, they don't seem to understand that. And you can teach them, even though the app is private, people can still take screenshot. It stays online forever. I'd rather be the person who teach my kids this ahead of time. The one day they learn the lesson in you know, a very hard way. Oh my God, I shared this, you know, really uh, bad picture online. I lost my job. I lost my internship, all those things. And uh, yeah, like education is the key for sure. And also, I think it is so important. And the parents actually stay educated. So what I discovered is that parenting is a learned skill. Just because <laughs> you didn't get right? the manual. Like, Wait a minute. Yeah. Let me send you. I have to send you the manual. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just because like we can give birth or facilitate that process, it doesn't make us a good mom or dad. We have to learn. I just feel like so many parents. I understand everyone has a full time job. But it is our own children's future, right? I think parents cannot just rely on a school to completely outsource their own children's education to a school. Even if you send your kid to the best school, there are still many, many issues. So parents must be involved and must stay educated and do your own research. I think that is very, very critical. And listening to a podcast like this, Connie, and stay educated to see like what is actually happening and how can I apply this to my own parenting as opposed to be hands off and just like trust the school. And one thing I can't stand is like right now I homeschool our kids. And but before we uh we started homeschooling and our kids went to a private school and I can always hear my parents and asking their kids, hey, did you listen to the teacher? Oh, you should always listen to the teacher. The teacher is always right. And I think that is wrong. And I don't think te- uh, teachers are always right. I think we should be really, really critical as parents about what the teachers are telling us and the information we're receiving from the school and do our own research and stay educated, stay informed, and stay critical. I love that. I love that. Stay informed um, is so important. And teacher doesn't always know best. And, and, you know, here you're a college professor or an ex-college professor. You've got your PhD for crying out loud. You worked hard for that. And, and you're sitting here and you're saying it. You're not bashing the system, but you're putting perspective that I think a lot of parents need to have. You know, there's something that you say. Uh, we're coming down to the kind of the last part of this section. And would you hang on and let's do a part two where we can dive into your brand new book that is just incredible called Skipping the Degree. Can we wrap this section up and, and um, have you back on the show? Yeah, totally. And can I just add another point, Connie? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and because uh, we're talking about you know staying uh, staying informed and critical, and I have been reading quite a few books regarding gender differences. It was really shocking for me to hear some of the gender differences between boys and girls. And if parents actually understood some of the gender differences, they will actually see the problems that they have observed in their kids. It's not really about their kids. It's actually about the way they are being taught. Like, for example, like boys, which is really shocking for me to discover that they actually, their listening, their hearing is not as strong as girls. So for boys, if you, most boys tend to sit uh, sit in the back of the classroom, right? The last row. And 
because of that, they couldn't hear the teachers really well, like physiologically. And so if you have a really soft spoken female teacher and the boys couldn't even hear the teacher. Mm. And as a result, many boys are being misdiagnosed as having ADHD. They can't listen. They can't focus simply because they couldn't really hear the teacher as well. So there was actually a study. Wow. And yeah, they demonstrated that once they switch the seating arrangement, they have all the boys sitting in the front of the classroom and the female students sit in the back because they can actually hear better physiologically. So boys actually perform a lot better. Interesting, right? And oh, that is so interesting. Like, yeah, there are lots of... So, Many times parents just like listen to the teacher and they don't even question anything. They don't do their own research. They think, oh my God, my kids must have ADHD or this and that. And what is wrong with you? And we start to label our children. And that is really bad because those labels stay with our kids forever. Oh, uh, right? so right. You're so right. It can be lifelong damaging. Yeah. You're so right. I mean, that is, you know, most of the time, I think it would be portrayed as you need to have the boys up front not because they can't listen and focus because they're not developmentally there, ready, but it's because they act up. So if you put them in the front of the class, then they're less likely to act up. And you're actually saying, no, it's because they can actually listen and focus better. So see, that's a that's a misnomer that we have that we're automatically telling, oh, you know, little so-and-so is just a wiggler. Maybe they're struggling because they're just not understanding it. And because they're in the back, it's just going over their head. And we we type, we do start labeling them. And that is so dangerous. I have one more question. I have so many questions, but I have one last question. And I, I love that I, I read this, uh, something you had said. And you I said, uh, you, I'm just going to ask you, what do you think the purpose of education should be? And where does the best education begin? Yeah, I think... No, I truly believe the best education happens outside the physical walls, happens in real life. Real life is our best teacher. And I think the purpose of education is to uncover what is within the children, not to cover so much information, but to help and facilitate their own self-discovery. I have to write this down because it's that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uncover, you know, what's already in there. You know, they're, they're, it's already there. I love that. And, and that is I'm a great jumping off point because you have created Classroom Without Walls. It is a global, uh, it's a global movement that you're creating. And I, I would love for you just to tell everybody where they can find you. And I will have all of this in the show notes, folks. So if you miss it, uh, it'll be in the show notes. But would you tell everybody where to find you? Yeah, uh, the easiest way to find me is on my website, classroomwithoutwars.ai. And through there, you can find more information about me, the interviews I did, and my social media handles. Yeah, That wraps up this edition of Equipped to Be. I want you to um, just realize A is coming back, and we're going to talk about her new book, and you're going to love it because it's called Skip the Degree. And I know many of you are talking about that right now. Why should we send our kids to college if they're not really going to be prepared for real life? So stick around, come back, and we'll see you next time. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. 
Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.